0: Welcome to the Just In Time podcast. I'm Kerry Jones,
1: editor. And I'm Will Green, news editor at Supply Management. Each month, we'll take a look at some of the top stories in the news and discuss the most pressing issues affecting procurement and supply chains, so we can uncover what you need to know.
0: In this episode, we'll be joined by a special guest to talk about how procurement can attract and retain young talent. But first, let's look at the news. Um, Will, what's been the top stories in news for procurement?
1: Well, what's really struck a note with people is procurement was mentioned uh, by the Queen and possibly for the first time ever when she referred to a new procurement bill for the UK, which is going to have some pretty major implications for public sector buyers.
0: Yeah, that's quite exciting. So I noticed that the bill itself, the aim is to actually simplify public sector procurement. Um, so how are they planning to actually go about doing that? What have they said?
1: It's, it's all part of the sort of the, the post-Brexit world that we find ourselves in before we were tied into the EU rules on procurement and um, and they have sort of fixed and you can't just change those if you're part of the uh, EU bloc. But now we can. So uh, what they want to do is Take apparently, there are sort of three hundred and fifty odd regulations relating to public procurement, and they want to well get rid of them, replace them with a single uniform set of rules. It's not entirely clear at this stage what that will be, but the, yeah, the idea is simplification and also simplifying the tendering procedures that are available to buyers there are about there are fifteen at the moment, and they want to get those down to to three and trying to bring in more innovation. Um, Really, I think there's been criticism in the past that it's been stifling the the, the red tape or the level of red tape. And so I think the idea is to try and zhuzh things up a bit.
0: Right. Okay. And so I guess that streamlining and those um, very clear and concise rules um, for the UK only, um, is that going to make the process more competitive for smaller businesses? Is that going to sort of open the door for people who wouldn't have been able to maybe afford to go through all that red tape?
1: the details are very scant at this stage but yes there is that desire to get more smes in because that that's where often where the innovation is but i guess yeah the devil will be in the detail
0: yeah well, hopefully it'll um, also increase a little transparency i know uk public sector procurement has actually come under fire quite a lot this last year so hopefully this effort for a very clear and concise procurement bill um will bring some transparency so There've been a lot of uncomfortable questions raised the last 12 to 18 months. And uh, even if absolutely nothing has been done wrong whatsoever, at least it will uh, make things clearer for everyone.
1: That's right. There's been loads of accusations and, and suggestions of things not being quite above board with of procurement processes during the pandemic. But yeah, nothing uh, has been proven in that regard. But even the perception of things not being quite right can be quite damaging.
0: And so you've also been following the chip shortage story online as well. Uh, You recently reported a few different bodies are predicting this is likely to continue for at least another two years.
1: Well, it it does seem to be the case. Yeah, um, Forrester and IBM are both predicting that it's it's going to go on for another two years. People talking about I think a bullwhip effect, but um, my understanding is that chip manufacturers, uh, the biggest is I think is in Taiwan. They basically shut up shop because of the pandemic. Um, demand dropped off, but also they just couldn't run their factories. And then all of a sudden, demand just suddenly went through the roof with everyone sitting at home and buying electronic goods. And there's just no way that production has been able to keep up with demand. It's hit car makers. And Ford has, has said it's, it's expecting a $2.5 billion hit to revenues this year because they can't. Make cars because they can't get the chips incredible it is but i mean cars now these days aren't they there's you know they're just like computers basically on wheels aren't they There's, there's so much gadgetry in them
0: well that's a good point i mean any electronics any any smart device now from computers to you know ps5 whatever it is if it involves that chip then you're in trouble did you see in the news this week? The International Energy Agency is recommending that we sell no new gas boilers by 2025. I mean, that's that's really soon.
1: It, yeah, it is really soon. I
0: mean, I know you just got a new gas boiler. Yeah, what I've, do you I've think just got that? a gas
1: boiler. Yeah, and I'm, I'm starting to feel guilty about it now. I'm sort of thinking, oh, <laughs> no, you know, uh, what have I done? But uh, well, what's what's the alternative, Kerry? You know, what does a responsible person do now when you get a new boiler?
0: I think some of the key words in the statement are should. And 2025, I mean, these types of massive national energy transitions are incredibly slow moving. You're right, we just don't have those alternatives in place. You know, gas and electricity, they're very mature markets and it's very hard to compete with those. Say, for example, one of the alternatives being suggested is if manufacturers can convert gas boilers to hydrogen operated boilers. In the grand scheme of things, it's a relatively simple switch, probably cost around an extra £100. But the problem is we don't have enough hydrogen supply Mm. to actually make it viable. Not everyone will be able to access that unless you happen to live near a a wind or solar power station because H is the byproduct of splitting water. Um, So, you know, it's very green, it's very eco-friendly for future, which is fantastic. But if you can't supply a whole nation with that and it relies on an energy surplus from that station itself, so if you don't happen to have a surplus on that day you're not powering homes yeah it's not ripe yet for rapid uptake but i think the lesson there is we're not there yet and we don't have the answers but it's all about progress isn't it it's all about keeping that conversation going
1: absolutely yeah there's no there's no getting away from the fact that we have to uh, change things up
0: it's definitely one to get younger people on board with now ready for the future
1: yeah maybe they'll come up with some sort of fresh ideas and um, yeah help us along that journey
0: that actually brings us interestingly quite neatly to our guest for today and so we're joined by uh kyle Sendor price who is um actually the sips young person of the year talent award winner uh for 2020 thanks for joining us kyle
2: thank you thanks for having me
0: so we want to talk to you today about why we don't see more young people in the field of procurement and supply chain management. Um, but one of the things that we come across is a lot of people say they fell into procurement or they ended up in procurement, usually at the end of you know, trying to do something else or at the end of a journey. So what made you choose procurement as a career?
2: Um, I think, unfortunately, I I fall into that same category. You know, I um, actually fell into it um, myself. So, you know, I come to university, um, you know, I did a law degree, did a legal practice course. Um, My initial ambition was to become a solicitor and I worked for a a firm for a year and absolutely hated it. Um, So I saw a trainee strategic procurement officer role at a council in the West Midlands. um, And part of that role was around uh, the National Graduate Development Programme run by the um, local government association. Um, so it was a bit of a career path that I, I i literally sort of fell into um you know i'd be completely honest, I was really in kind of what procurement was, especially you know public procurement is highly regulated um and really just quite different to you know the private sector procurement um I suppose that the reason that you know people fall into it and they don't choose it in their um I guess at a younger age is just maybe it's the visibility. Uh, maybe we need to do more around kind of the options and opportunities. You know, you see things advertised around lawyers, solicitors. You know, which is what I wanted to be. Um, you know, barristers, accountants, that sort of thing. But maybe more emphasis on uh, procurements, both private and public sector. Um, I suppose it's also career paths. You know, I, I fell into this graduate role, um, but actually, you know, now we're seeing far more apprenticeships being. Um, advertise across a range of different industries, but uh, you know, back when I was doing my law degree, you know, degrees are quite limited. There weren't very many procurement degrees. That well, I never registered them, or they never sort of come across, you know, my desk as as such. But now we're seeing quite a lot of you know uh, undergrad degrees, masters in uh, procurements for a range of different areas.
1: Perhaps there are some sort of similarities between the law and procurement. I mean, you say you know they are you know rules based and quite a lot of regulations involved.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there is a definite uh, connection between the two. And I see that in some colleagues of mine as well. So quite a few of them, or, you know, a slight few of them do have law degrees, um, or sort of business degrees, or things that do lend themselves to business quasi legal sort of area. Um, So yeah, I think you do develop, well, from my um, personal view, um, very good skill sets when it comes to, you know, having a a law degree, whether that sort of Uh, reviewing legislation, drafting contracts, um, having contentious meetings, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a a wide skill set. But at the same time, there's there's opportunities for people with a a very wide range in uh, backgrounds of different degrees, different sort of apprenticeships to actually add value as well.
0: Do you think that this past year will make quite a difference to that, the way procurement has been in the press a lot more? Is it as simple as that sort of visibility? Or do you think that we actively need to get out there and do more about it directly in schools?
2: I think it's a bit of both. You know, you've seen a lot of um, both issues and and benefits of procurement practices, especially in the the public sector the last year with with COVID. Um, Like I said, very um, sort of contentious areas and actually highlighting um, really successful areas like the, the vaccine rollouts. Um, but I think we do need to start to bit more around going into schools or just highlighting opportunities. A lot of that, though, can be just budgets. You know, public sector are struggling with budgets, and uh, especially my area, for example, we're quite limited in in terms of being able to increase our budgets. Um, but yeah, I mean, with everyone working from home, there's there's more opportunities now. You know, it, we're not sort of so London centric. Um, you know, and there's I've seen quite a few sort of opportunities around apprenticeships and. And that sort of thing being advertised from a range of different areas.
0: So I'm quite intrigued. Like your background, like you said, you did actually fall into procurement. <laughs> but um, for someone so young, you've actually accomplished um, an, a huge amount in quite a short time. Um, and you know you're you're responsible for is, is the uh, the budget you're responsible for at the moment. Did you say it's 460 million a year? Is that right? Yeah,
2: 460 million a year across a, a range of different areas. Everything from adult social care to uh, highways.
0: Um, and you're also um, a qualified magistrate. So that's some that's huge accomplishments. I mean, in your time, have you actually faced any sort of prejudice or discrimination just from being a younger person with that level of responsibility? I'm, I'm <laughs> intrigued.
2: Um, a, a few times I've had you know, the, the off comments. So, you know, I've got a few scenarios, uh, you know, back in my graduate days. Um, I had some feedback from a, a director before a meeting. I'm a quite um, nosy, I'd say, I, I pu- I'll put it bluntly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll press at questions and, and issues. And if there's an elephant in the room, I'll always you know, speak up and, and point at it. Um, but a director gave me feedback and, and told me to um, not come across as the, the petulant child in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I sort of took that with a, a pinch of salt and just carried on asking my questions. Um, but you know, I've had other things where um, in one authority many years ago, the chief executive thought I was the work experience boy, um, which was <laughs> quite amusing. Um, very and, flattering,
0: very baby face. Yeah, no,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I was, well, now I'm, I'm uh, you know, a few years older and sort of, I, I'm, hopefully I still have the baby face. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the other one then is, you know, a lot of people get this um, scenario, you know, not, not just on age, sometimes it, it could be sex or, or that sort of thing, but it's, you know, you, you go into a room with a, a, a team of yours and you've got the suppliers, you haven't done introductions yet. And actually the suppliers, you know, the director or something is speaking to one of the more older uh, people within the team. And as you do in sort of introductions and you introduce yourself as the, you're the head of procurement or the, you're the manager back then, um, they have sort of focus changes. And instead of sort of addressing the other people in the room, their they focus or eye contact changes directly to you, which is quite amusing. But I'm lucky in, in the sense of, you know, I've never had any major sort of discrimination or, or prejudices, especially within my team. You know, I'm the youngest within my team um and it's something that just it's never mentioned um you know when it's a really good relationship and it's something that doesn't come across as an issue
0: that's very good to hear i mean i was expecting something more along the lines of you know how do you actually get awarded those contracts um i was curious to know if maybe if you are a younger person you don't get given that level of responsibility but it sounds like you're doing fantastically
2: yeah no i think so um I put it down to sort of really fantastic managers um, you know, in my career sort of pushing me and giving me many opportunities really and, and you know, allowing me to showcase kind of my, my skill set and, and just develop really.
1: What would your advice be to other young people who, who are struggling to be taken seriously?
2: I think don't shy away. You know, challenge uh, people, come up with solutions. Um, it, it's around adding value. You know, I know that the phrase is often overused, but try to come... At things from a different perspective, and you know, see the the issues and the risks, highlight them, and come up with solutions. Don't just sit at the side and, and throw stones and you know, point and complain. But tell the individual service area or or individual that you know, I don't think this works. But have you considered this route or this option? Um, you know, many people in my profession are uh, considered you know people who say no. You know, don't go to procurement because they will say no. And quite often, you know, we do have to tell service areas, well, no, you can't do that. But we should be able to say, no, you can't do that. However, have you looked at this solution or have you addressed this in this certain way to get those outcomes that you desire?
0: Yes, someone was saying to me recently um, uh, for women in procurement, their advice was um, always come to the table with an idea. Even if it's not a fully formed idea, you should have the confidence to work through it and mention it. And would you say that's the same if you're a younger person that maybe you don't have to have... Um, everything mapped out, but you still shouldn't shy away from making those suggestions and like you said, coming with coming with concepts or ideas of your own
2: I completely agree with you. I come from it, from a, a completely different sort of perspective um or a life experience, I guess you know you need to contribute in some sort of way, um especially within you know the public sector the 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 concept of everyone's there in the room, throwing ideas into the mix is around helping develop a service for the future, whether that's for someone who's vulnerable, whether that's for um, children, um, adults, or people with learning difficulties, or whether that's just a normal corporate service like an IT contract. It's about adding value and, and throwing your ideas into the mix. No matter how small your contribution is, you know, adds up. or, you know, what you have highlighted might be um, just not in the peripheral of these senior directors or senior heads of service and actually it might um, snowball into something that they've completely forgot and you know it, it is about adding value at the end of the day
1: what would your advice be or what would you have to say about having sort of difficult conversations with people who are much older than you or people you know who supposedly are at a different level of seniority how do you have the confidence to um to think well i've actually got something to say here
2: I'm quite used to having sort of difficult conversations with people at all levels and you do feel like that, you know, even now I I feel like that. Um, I think it's understanding that you are a professional, you come from that position um, as a procurement professional, you know, you have that expertise, that service area doesn't, that service area has their own individual skill sets. So it's coming to the table with your own experiences, your own skills, your own worldview really, you know, of procurement. And using that to your advantage, using that as your your leverage, really, um, you know, as, as long as you have a, a sound rationale with a solution, I think, um, you know, th- these difficult conversations don't have to be difficult. Um, as long as you are, you know, on their side, you're identifying um, a solution at the end of the day, I think quite a lot of senior professionals will, or, or you know, senior sort of directors and heads of service will work with you.
0: If we then flip that to the other way. What do you think organisations um, should be doing more? So not just what what are young people bringing to the table and having the confidence and building their own skills. What can organisations do to actually attract young people and be a more appealing place to actually grow and develop their career?
2: I. Really think it's about opportunity. So the opportunity to do many different things. I'm a big believer in procurement being um, more of a generalist rather than you know category management or, or specialist, which I know could be quite contentious. Um but you know, I think I would rather do multiple things, you know, move from one service area to another service area, that's completely different, rather than just be stuck in the, the same area. I mean, that might appeal to some people, but you know, there are, there are pros and cons of, of each one. Um, You know, I'm very lucky to have dealt with anything from adult social care, um, highways, waste services, corporate services. You know, I remember, you know, back in the old world when we were um, in buildings and going from meeting to meeting, um, I remember going from a a procurement exercise or a discussion that was on sexual health services. And then literally right after that, I walked down the corridor to have a meeting with, you know, the the translocation of of lizards for a a huge (laughs) sort of um, construction project. So, you know, and part of that is, is bringing value between the two. You have your own experiences um, that come from individual projects and you can apply them across different areas. Generally, I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously a big difference between sexual health services and the translocation of lizards. But I think the, the, the concept is, is there somewhere, you know, you can sort of pull ideas, whether that's market engagements or, you know, contractual sort of relationships or, you know, um, contracts generally. There's always something you can pull from your experiences and apply them elsewhere.
0: Sorry, can I stop you it's Like, what did you have to do for the translocation of lizards? That's fascinating. <laughs>
2: um, so it's around, uh, you know, my husband actually does a lot of this for a consultancy firm. But um, when you have to, uh, you know, you're building a, I think the project was a, a railway station. So if you're building a railway station, there might be sort of crested newts or, um, you know, lizards or, or, or sort of snakes around, you know, grass snakes that, need to be moved from one location to another because they're endangered or protected um so from what my husband tells me and from what I remember from you know that individual contract um it's around sort of capturing the, these sort of lizards and, and just move them to another sort of field basically right okay there's probably a lot more into it than, than that but uh you know I'll, I'll ask my husband <laughs> another time
0: I had no idea procurement could be involved in, in that sort of uh that sort of project sounds very cool
2: absolutely and, and that's where I think we need to showcase that you know we are involved in a multitude of different things. Um, You know, like I said, ICT contracts, waste contracts, adult social care contracts. You know, especially within kind of the the public sector realm, every day is different. There's always things popping up that are completely different, and that's why I like I like the um, variety of things rather than this you know conveyor belt of doing this and this mm-hmm. and this. And that's why I didn't like my um, my stints at the law firm for that year. You know, it was very much a um you know you were doing the same thing day in and day out.
1: Is that the key for organizations then looking to get more young people into their organizations?
2: Yeah, I think so. I completely agree. I think it's around, you know, showcasing the case studies as well. You know, um what happens, what the project does, how all these individual projects connect together. Um and, and for me, you know, that's putting things on your portfolio, your CV You'll then, you know, when you move in from one job to the next, you will saying, Well, actually I helped deliver this multi million pound contract um for this area. And also I'm very good at sort of dealing with, you know, these sort of issues in another area. Um, you know, I think it is variety and, and sort of, you know, adding a string to your bow, as it were.
0: Yes, also um going back to being a generalist, uh, to to use a very general statement, uh, younger people are seen as being much more driven by value-based work and work that connects with um, their own actual beliefs rather than just, you know, as a as a, as a career option. And so maybe procurement should be highlighting, you know, especially public sector, should be highlighting the opportunity to be involved in waste management and recycling and resources and all of those area and care and healthcare, things like that, where you can really can make a very direct difference.
2: I completely agree. You know, um, like I said, uh, you know, I think generalists, in my view, just have a, a far wide range in skill sets, you know, the ability to jump from one project to another, I think is really quite exciting. Um, and, you know, it's not for everyone, you know, I know it depends entirely on the, the organization. Some organizations are far better at, at category management and that fits within their operating model. There's, there's nothing wrong or against that. I think from my own individual circumstances though, you know, I would far rather um, use the, the generalist model. Um, but, you you know, connecting that back to sort of younger people, I think you're absolutely right. People, you know, all people, I do it's just younger people. I think everyone likes variety and, and, just jumping from you know one project to another. It's engaging with, you know, individuals and, and sort of like I said, showcasing um experiences and case studies. Um, you know, I, I have a friend that I used to work with in a another council and, and you know she was um didn't work in procurement, she was a graphic designer and you know she got really excited because her graphic designs were on double decker buses <laughs> driving past, you know, within the, the city. And she you know said, Well I contributed to that I come up with that, that graphic design. And I think it's the same um, in the procurement world. I'm really annoying when it comes to sort of driving with my husband. And I would say, well, you know, I helped sort of procure that bridge or that road or that sort of <laughs> thing. And he just sort of sits in the car and rolls his eyes. Um, but, you know, it's it's like you said earlier on, um, you know, value-based. What's the outcome? How have you contributed to um, the wider society, really? Um, and, you know, I think that's that's my ethos. You know, it's the, the value you add to, um you know the the public sector around you
0: i think that's something to be proud of if i had contributed to building a local bridge i I would want everyone to pay attention as well i'd want my name (laughs) on it
1: (laughs) the kerry jones suspension bridge
2: Absolutely. you know i think um everything has a you know a value base to it in in procurement, And, and that's what we're here for we are you know strategic uh leverage, we help the organization move forward in my view. Um, You know, my view for procurement in the future is we're not only looking after and controlling and trying to change the external supply chain, but what are we doing to influence the internal supply chain? So internal resources around, you know, legal services, HR, finance, you know, part of my view is actually I think procurement has a role to play in transforming those internal supply chains too.
1: It may sound an obvious question but what is the what is the value that young people bring to an organization you know why why should people be worried about attracting new talent
2: i i don't think it's just a question around sort of young people i th- i think the for me it's diversity and diversity in all its forms um you know whether that's lgbt bame um you know younger people um people with disabilities um you know i think the the question really is how do we add value to an organization through diversity? And, you know, there are many sort of case studies. I'm, I'm doing a, a PhD in procurement now, and, and one of the papers I'm reading is on diversity within the supply chain. So, you know, having a, a better diversity within the supply chain and just different organizations does add value, I think. Um, you know, having young people in the mix just adds a different perspective in the same way as, you know, um, someone from the LGBT community does. Um so I think it, it's really reflective of society around us. So you know, the public sector, for example, we should be able to provide services to individuals that you know match the public sector and and sort of people that work in the public sector. We should be sort of representative of them. Um, you know, it's the same as the, the magisterial worlds. We are society's peers. You know, we're not all sort of of a certain age. There's a, a range of different sort of diverse people that sit on the bench where I sit. So I think that um, you know that area or um, aspiration to have a diverse workforce is is fundamental.
0: It's proven time and time again that diversity is the key. Like it's it's um, more diverse boards get better results. More diverse workplaces and workforces. You just you represent the society that you actually live in.
2: I completely agree. And you know sometimes if everyone's a thing on a board, actually you're really blindsided. You're not noticing these different issues, the different perspectives. And you know a lot of people then have the, the sort of tunnel vision really. And it's not to anyone's fault, it's just they're those experiences that people have, you know, dealt with in life. And actually, by bringing in people from a, a multitude of different areas, I think that's where you then sort of are able to sort of diversify and, and add value and get better services.
0: And also, like, when it comes to things like having that foresight and planning for risk, if you don't have that range of experience, that range of skills then how can you adequately cover all those bases? I just I just don't think it's possible. Completely
2: agree. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thanks so much to Carl for joining us. That's absolutely wonderful. Um and a really positive glimpse for the future, you know, if we can get more younger talent and as he said, more diversity, I think then we're definitely heading in the right direction. So Will, coming to some lighter news to end on for our listeners, what have you seen uh, lately?
1: I did come across some uh, morphine pasta um
0: sorry morphine pasta
1: <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's actually not the drug morphine it's some um, morphine and it changes shape and so what you have is you have your your flat sheets of pasta which you can store and transport uh, in a very efficient way with uh, much less packaging and there are clever little kind of cuts that they put into the pasta um so when you cook it it changes shape and twists and turns into various different shapes <laughs> you know the the shapes that we like to see in our pasta like tubes and twists and and, and things that like that That sounds
0: absolutely creepy I'm I'm not sure I want my bowl of pasta wriggling all around as I'm cooking it
1: <laughs> Well maybe it's a price we have to pay you know to 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 cut those carbon emissions from all those trucks you know if you can reduce the number of truck journeys that you need to ship your pasta it's all adding up
0: yeah i suppose it's the sloppy sea creatures is the price we have to pay then i guess i would be fine with that
1: yeah i mean it may not be as tasty as as a traditional (laughs) shape you know you do have to be a bit skeptical whether about whether something that twists into shape is going to taste as good as a penne you know <laughs> uh, remains to be seen
0: well, i have some food related news as well um i don't know if you saw but cadbury's confirmed um there's a shortage of mini flakes in the uk and ireland at the moment <gasps> i know i know not not the standard bars don't worry just the dinky ones that you put in your little cornet to turn it into a 99 would you call
1: that a chalk horror Kerry? Chalk
0: horror. <laughs> i love it absolutely well it's a staple of the british ice cream man right absolutely well, they've said n- not to worry, don't get into a shock horror. It's not a long-term issue. It's basically um, people are getting out more, enjoying parks and enjoying socializing more. So it's just a surge in demand. But it reminds us, you know, of the great British summertime. So the next surge in demand we can expect, um, burgers, sausages, buns. Yeah. Don't forget, they will be in short supply as well as cheap cider. And of course disposable umbrellas can't have a british barbecue without an umbrella
1: (laughs) well that brings us to the end thanks everyone for listening in and thanks to our guest kyle for joining us please tune in next month for the next episode of the just in time podcast and please like and follow